It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. The Cyclone Fanatic Podcast is fueled by Cody Road and recorded in the Wild Rose Casino and Hotel Studio. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Reaction Time, our final episode of the season, courtesy of our friends at Fairway. Ben and I are super pumped because we're actually joined this time by Coach Metcalf. Um, Coach, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, Ben and I have talked about this probably several times about wanting to bring you on, so what better time to do it than the final episode of the season? we are now what two three weeks out since NCAA's ended. So, yeah, what have you been up to? Have you been enjoying this "quote unquote" time off? <laughs> um, typically, after the season, uh, Coach Dresser tells us to kind of get away for a couple weeks. So, I actually took my family and we did a cross country excursion. Um, we had a van and we drove uh, over to Savannah to visit a buddy down to Florida to visit my mom and then up to Gulf Shores area um, to hang out with my kids and stuff on the beach for a little while. And then I came back. So um, that was kind of my getaway. It's something I do every year with my family after the NCAA tournament, um, which is good and well needed for them and for me. Um, (laughs) And then, you know, obviously after that we were our third weekend here, so as soon as I got back, we started our freestyle workouts, getting our guys ready for Las Vegas. Oh, we're back and working already. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Um, so I was going to ask what your thoughts on the season were, but you just kind of touched on a question I wanted to ask later. So we'll just go with that one now. Yeah. Let it How run. do you approach the off season? Do you want all your guys wrestling freestyle and getting into those, some of those tournaments, or do you try to have some focus on other things or what are your thoughts on how your guys approach the off season? Um, I think it's a a lot of times it's like an individual basis, if that makes any sense. Um, in general, I would say you've got your group of red shirt guys. Okay. Um, those guys specifically, you know, when you're young, you can't have enough matches. You can't have enough mat time. Um, so I would say that those guys, we really, again, we don't force any of them to do anything, but we really kind of push them to say, Hey, 
let's compete at the U20s, um, the Las Vegas event, just because it's a it's another opportunity for us to go and compete. Um, some of the not not all the time. Obviously, the, the higher level guys you bring in, they're more and more experienced at freestyle. But um, I guess sometimes we've had guys that have been like, "Hey, I've never done freestyle before." Um, you know, my kind of philosophy on that is wrestling's wrestling. Um, if you go out and lose a match because you get leg laced, you know, whatever, but through the process of the training and, you know, my kind of pitch is always like, Hey, if you can score a single leg or a high crotch in freestyle and not get turned, guess what? You're going to get a lot, you know, that's going to help you score a single leg or a high crotch in folk style. Right. At the end of the day, it's about scoring takedowns. Um, so that's kind of my personal philosophy on why I really like to push guys into freestyle, uh, regardless of whether they want to one day be an Olympic champion. To me, it's like, Hey, we get an opportunity to go out and compete and to continue to work on the skills that we're working on in the room. Um, so that's kind of the angle we come from there. We'll have a later group. Um, you know, obviously as we've gotten better here, we've got more and more guys that want to keep competing. So we'll probably have a, another group of guys that go to the U 23. So that's going to be your little bit older group. Um, I'm just, I'm generalizing, but generally your red shirt guys are young enough to do U twenties. And then your guys that are past that are your U 23 guys. Um, so that's not to say that we, the whole team will be doing that. The, the whole team certainly will not be, um, anyone in particular that maybe was hurt throughout the season, or maybe, you know, you get guys that, um, you know, Feasley is a good example. You know, he's a guy that's still working, you know, he's going to U 23s. And a lot of his drive is probably he he did finish the season how he wanted, right? Like he wanted to be the guy, he didn't get the chance. So he wants to go and get some more mat time in. Um, so that would be kind of our philosophy as far as that goes. But you've also got guys where you're like, hey man, like you've really got to improve in the bottom position, folk style, bottom position at the top or whatever. Um, maybe we want to just keep you on this track because we train all summer long. Um, maybe we want to keep you on this track and let's really put a lot of energy and focus into this. Um, so again, it's kind of individual basis, but generally the brings all the background, you know, the more competition you get, the better. And then the side point, um, and again, this is my kind of personal opinion. I think a lot of growth really happens in freestyle and it can happen by accident. And here's what I mean. Um, it's, Freestyle is different, right? So for some to say, and this is very common, like, hey, this guy, you know, won Greco, right? Uh, Fargo, I'm talking about when you're recruiting guys. It's like, well, that doesn't really translate to college wrestling necessarily. No, it doesn't. But if, uh, let me try to use, a great example would be Julian Broderson, okay? Julian Broderson went through, and surprisingly, I didn't expect him to do this. He wanted to wrestle in the senior uh, the senior tournament last year. Okay. He went to the U S open qualified for the world team trials. Okay. Through that process, even though he, he won a lot of matches and you can say he beat guys, he's not supposed to beat, Right. Um, but there was a confidence built in that. Right. So regardless of whether that whatever freestyle skills he learned translated. Okay. Um, if he beat so-and-so, whatever the, whatever the guy's name is. Okay. He beat him and maybe he didn't think he could beat him before. Right. So now you had this year, a brand new Julian Broderson who had all sorts of confidence and all sorts of belief in himself solely because he competed with some of the best guys in our country at a really high level. And he was there with them, whether he beat them or, you know, a lot of times, heck, a lot of times you could lose by a point. Um, I remember telling 
again, I'm going to go all over the place. Uh, <laughs> I can see it out of David. I think David wrestled Kyle Dake over the summertime, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not going to speak for David, but there's a chance that, that David maybe didn't believe he was in Kyle Dake's, like he could compete with him, right? I think he lost by like a point or two. He said, coach, you know, I had, I had this, I only lost by a point. Had I just finished this takedown, I would have won. Well, heck, now you've got all this confidence built up going into the season. It's like, hey, I can roll with those guys, you know? So that's another benefit, I think, of freestyle is it gives yourself an opportunity to wrestle some really high-level guys and to maybe do some things that you'd maybe, you know, if you just took the whole summer off, maybe you just, as far as, again, it's mental stuff, you just stopped at the end of the season and you started again. Once instead we had some growth, a lot of growth. You did some really good things. Um, maybe you beat some guys that you didn't think you could beat. Maybe you're right there with them. Um, so to me, that's one of the biggest benefits is just, you know, competing against high level guys. And, and I don't know why it is. Freestyle is a much more relaxed, like, I don't know. There's not pressure. You know what I'm saying? Like the environment, our training environment is a lot more loose. Um, I, I, I see a lot of, a lot more out of the guys. It seems like, during freestyle season because there's no pressure right i don't know if that makes any sense but it's like well you know if i don't make the world team that's okay <laughs> you know <laughs> it's a different pressure yeah you know what i'm saying there's it's a it's a different thing and i don't know, I, I i believe it and i think there's a lot of growth that occurs over the summer you know so yeah speaking of pressure um andy hamilton i don't know if you follow him on twitter or how often you even get on twitter but he put out a stat right after ncaa tournaments uh, after the NCAA championships that this was the lowest scoring NCAA championships by total individual points since the four point near falls introduced. I think there's only like 5,000 total points scored. Mm-hmm. Normally there's like 6,000. Yeah. yeah. Why do you think from your perspective, that is, is it guys kind of feeling that pressure and not letting it loose? Is it guys who are really good on top, but don't necessarily turn guys or what are your thoughts about why that would be? Well, I haven't put a whole lot of thought into this, um, but I guess my my first shot at it would be that it's just really competitive. You know, I mean, the the level is is getting better and better every year. Um, so naturally, uh, there's going to be less points scored. Would be my first guess. Uh, secondly, you've got COVID guys still in there playing around. Okay, so. Um, and by that, I mean, you've got guys that are on their sixth, seventh, heck, I hear someone was on their eighth year of eligibility, right? Um, so through that, you're going to have a higher level of, of guys in the weight class, right? Guys aren't just five years and out, you know, they, they've been there for six, seven years. So that adds to the depth of those, that tournament and the quality of the competition and how hard it's going to be to score points, okay? Let alone get yourself on the podium, you know? For sure. Um, and then now that we're talking about the NCAA championships, what are your thoughts on how just overall view of the team, how they did this year, both regular season, postseason? You had a really unique team in that you had super young guys like Casey Swiderski, Pinero Johnson, MJ Gatton stepped in a couple of times. Then yep. you had your Marcus Coleman's and your Sam Skylers, and you competed, I mean, really well with every team you wrestled. Obviously, took Iowa to the brink, wrestled against Penn State, well, beat pretty much everyone else except Missouri. Uh, from your perspective as a coach, how do you feel about how this season went? Um, obviously there's some let down at the end of the season because you got hopes and I don't know, I'm going to say expectations, but you've got hopes that like, Hey, this guy has the ability to do this. They've proven it throughout the season. And then maybe they just, they fall short of that. Um, 
But in general, I think if you look at it from a big picture, um, I think I, I could be really hopeful about it. I could feel good about it. Uh, like you said, really good season, a lot of really good, um, here's how do I say this team wins. And by that, I mean, where we had to really step it up to win a lot of those duels, you know, different guys at different periods of times had to step it up to win those duels. Um, and that's a big deal. That means that they're, they're doing it for each other. That means that it matters to them. Um, we had more guys step up and let's just call it overperform more, uh, you know, really do a great job. And we have instances where we can point and say, Oh, we did a crappy job. Right. Um, so I think that that's a, that's good. That's a, a good sign of the direction that this team's going. Um, another hopeful thing would be at any given point, you know, we had four true freshmen in the lineup, you know, I think, uh, you and I, right. we got Perryman, you got Swiderski, you got Panero and MJ. So almost half of your lineup is true freshmen. Um, and we won that duel, right? So mm-hmm. that's, that's again, if you want, the hopeful view is, hey, these guys are young. Like we still have a ton of growth and potential out of these guys. Um, so yeah, season-wise, really good. Um, obviously, as at the, at the end of the season, I think you've, and I don't need to say this out loud because what's nice is we have the type of guys that like Panero, he wasn't happy, you know, Panero. And it's not me. I don't have to say it to him. Um, he expected more out of himself. Right. Um, so you've got, and not to pick on him, but there are a number of guys there where it's just like, man, whatever it was, whether it was their, their first time out or whether it just kind of how things play out, um, things just fell a little short, you know? Um, and it's a bummer because if you, I guess the way that I describe it is, and again, this is, I'm a hopeful guy, right? So the, I tell my wife, I think that this is the first year we've had where like I left the national tournament and I thought, what if like, man, if that call went this way, this call went that way, man, we're in like trophy contention, you know? So that, I mean, again, see to say that, but we haven't had that, you know, in, in, in the past, there haven't been any what ifs. It's like, we were kind of, we, we performed, we, we did what we could do, but we're getting to be that sort of team where all those little, those little calls or whether you get that takedown, or you don't get that takedown, all those little things count, um, which that's exciting too. That's exciting to know that this team is really starting to knock on the door of, of competing at, at the highest level. Um, so I'm excited. I'm excited to get back to work. I'm excited about the future. Um, I know this team is, they have not, um, you know, there, there hasn't been a let off, you know, sometimes the season gets done with you like, all right, what are we going to get? You know, what, who's going to show up? What are we going to see? And I see excited guys. I see guys that are motivated. Um, so, oh yeah. How big was it for you to see guys like, you know, we talk a lot about Panero and we talk a lot about obviously Sam and Marcus, but like how big for like guys like Redding and, um, Jason Kreiser, and even just the way Swiderski kind of brought it all back, you know, after taking some tough losses there, how big to see those guys really, I don't want to say like outperform or do better than expected, but just the way they really showed up for the team and themselves. Yeah. Huge. It's huge. And I talked about it earlier when I was talking about the freestyle stuff and the metal component of it. Um, That is probably one of the biggest battles in college wrestling is that metal component. Um, And out of those three in particular, um, I would give them huge pats on the back, huge pats on the back. Um, Swiderski, I'll start there. 
you're talking about a guy that was on like a seven, eight match losing streak. Um, you know what I mean? Like there was a lot of internal struggle going on, you know, and it would have been easy to put your head down and say, I'm not good enough or whatever, whatever demons, you know, were talking to you, it would have been easy to buy into what they were saying, what your head was, was telling you. And he didn't he just kept believing. He kept battling, kept fighting. Um, and he fell short of what he wanted. Um, but again, but you know, it, it could have been the other way, right? It could have been, you went out there and you put your head down and you didn't do anything. Right. So, um, he, a guy like him's best served to focus on what you did really good. Right. And keep that ball rolling. Same thing with Redding. Redding's obviously, um, been there before he's felt it before. Um, but his, his chink's always been a matter of just doing things right. Cause he's got the skills. He's got the ability. Um, it's just doing things right and doing them right for a long period of time. And I think that it, what he did there was a result of, um, him doing things right him doing things right for four months. You know, and my message to him was, dude, what if you put 12 months together? What if you put 16 months together? You know, just imagine, right? Um, and then cries your same deal, same deal. Uh, he's a little bit different boat because he's one of those guys, <laughs> I'm not going to call him Jared Dagan, but he's one of those guys where like, <laughs> you don't care if he gets taken down. He, just, he, he has that. He's like, oh, I'm good. I'm good. You know, I, just, I keep rolling. <laughs> and that's what happens. That's what happens if you just keep believing in yourself and you keep um, battling and keep fighting um, is that things will go your way. You know, I kind of believe that. So, um, no, I think that those were really great. And, of course, you hope and you want, you know, because when they get that close, you're like, man, if we could just get. Um, but it's it's a, it's a process. It's a process. You don't snap your fingers and it doesn't just happen overnight. Um, Program-wise and individual-wise, you know, you have to go through those things. Um so, well, unfortunately, you have to go through losing. You have to go through feeling what it what it's like not to have what you want um, to help you take another step. So, for sure, I think. Um, go ahead, Ben. Okay, uh, you're still relatively new to coaching. Obviously, you've been doing this for about six years now. But was the mental part of it what you expected? Was coaching guys, how to get them through certain situations, just mentally, was that what you expected? Or has this kind of been a whole new ball game for you? That's actually a really great question. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Which, uh, um, yes. I think that, yes, it, it, it did surprise me. And here's what I mean by that. And again, as an athlete, you only know you, right? So I guess the surprise to me is like, and I, I want to say this the right way um, is that like, I just, I thought everyone felt the same, like thought the same way, you know, like, um, and maybe I was just like, I I reflect on this a lot because I'm like, I don't get it. Like, I don't get how you can't believe in yourself. I don't get how um, you can't just, just keep going, you know? And that's, it's a real thing. And what I've come to learn or what I think I am learning is that it's one of the toughest things. It's one of the toughest things um, to just keep believing in yourself and keep coming to work every day and keeping, again, I'm, I'm going to kind of spit a lot of words out, um, keeping a positive attitude, um, keeping yourself, you know, from a, a winning perspective, I'm thinking David Carr now, right? Like keeping yourself driven, right? And like lying to yourself about, um, you know, like when you are on top, like lying to yourself that, that you're not good enough yet and that you got to keep in a positive way, um, that you got to keep doing more, you know, like, yeah. 
I know I'm spitting a lot of words out, but what I'm trying to say is that I, I kind of felt like that was just built within most people. And it's not, it's, it's a really tough struggle that guys go through and that I, I also went through. So then it forces me to kind of reflect back and be like, all right, like what changed for me? What moments helped me believe this? What, what things helped me get there? And then, you know, obviously take your athlete and then try to give them that moments or explain that to them. Um, so yeah, I would say it was a surprise. It was a surprise. I, I thought it would probably, uh, again, I'm, guessing here right but i guess i would have thought it would have been more like hey i need to show you some new moves and it's less about the moves these guys got the moves they got all the moves um it's just that that belief in yourself and and now but that is a good question it's one that you could probably spend a whole podcast on going back and forth right? yeah because <laughs> it's deeper and stronger than you think you know even day to day even in your training even in you know the choices you make outside the room the things that how you how you approach your wrestling like even within the match you know there's a lot there that to me was simple that i thought was just normal and <laughs> i find the work and teach it a lot more I yeah i think the mentality of athlete and that whole thing got a lot more prevalent after that michael jordan documentary that came out during 2020 during the whole pandemic and yeah. he said what you said like he lied to himself like he made up stories in his head about what other guys thought of him and yeah. said about him. <laughs> and it, that was like one of the most eye-opening things that us normal people saw like, okay, these guys are tuned differently. So yeah, what you're saying about David, um, him maybe having to lie to himself in a positive way, like I'm not good enough. I need to keep getting better. All that stuff is, it's really interesting to hear just from your guys' perspective. Yeah, it's interesting you bring that up, too, because I didn't know, obviously, I don't know Michael Jordan at all, um, but watching that interview, like, I'm like, that, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Like, <laughs> I, I generalize basketball players as not being like that at all, you know, whether it's fair or not, you know? I'm like, oh, wrestlers are tough, basketball players aren't, right? Yeah. But uh, that's a wrestler thing. It's a joke. Um, yeah. But watching it, I was like, dude, I was like, this guy gets it, too. Like he gets it. He, he's the same crazy person that I am. You know? <laughs> you know, so every word he was saying, I was like, yeah, yeah, you're, you're spot on. You're dead. Right. You're dead. Right. You know? So yeah, that's, that's an interesting observation that you made. Well, and it's funny because I actually had this very similar, almost exact conversation with Willie Mickliffe. I was talking to him one, I think it was either Thursday or Friday. And I said, how's coaching going? And that's what he said. He's like, it's so hard when it's like, I process it one way and it makes sense in one way in my head. And then I'm like, why aren't these guys getting it? <laughs> why don't they see what I'm thinking? <laughs> so that was yep. his, also his big thing with coaching was it's so difficult that you can't just make them think the same way you do. So yeah, I, Interesting. I, kinda, I tease all the time that um, if you want to be a coach, you should get like a psychology degree because that, that'd be more valuable than, uh, I don't know if they make it. <laughs> yeah. A psychology degree of how to, how to get in guys head and get them to, to believe, believe things, believe, you know, so. Well, on the note of just looking over the, you know, whole season, you know, from, your coaching perspective of it, what would you say was, you know, a surprising or, you know, exciting or a moment that kind of really exceeded your expectations that made, it was like a moment where you were like, wow, coaching is fun. This is really fun this season. Um, man, there's so many of those moments and they're all like, 
little moments. I don't know how to, and every guy's different, you know, um, Feasley, I'll just start throwing some stones and stuff out there. Feasley is a guy that I work with a lot. Right. Um, you're talking about a kid that was I, I, a couple of years ago, not even on the string ladder. You know what I mean? Like, and he, he was the guy that would come up and say, Hey, like work with me. And I'm like, all right, I'll work with you. You got a long ways to go, but let's, let's work, you know? Um, and to see him have a chance in the lineup, right. Just from the way that things shook out, but then embrace it. Right. Like he didn't go out and just get thumped. You know what I mean? Like put his head down. Um, he had some good wins and he also had, again, sometimes some of the best stuff that can happen are some of the wins. Um, <clears throat> I'm thinking like the West Virginia, right. Mm-hmm. Where, Man, you're in on the leg to score the takedown and the buzzer hit goes. Right. And it's like, <laughs> yeah. oh man, like those, like that's really fun and exciting for me to see a kid who you worked with and like his eyes are like, hey, like I'm starting to get it. Like I, I actually I believe I'm there, man. And so that um things like that are exciting. Obviously, I spent a lot of time with Casey. Um again, the the standard is really high. But, you know, my communication to him was like, what you did was a really big deal, right? And that's how it felt to me, right? What you did was a really big deal. You were in a heck of a slump that, like, the whole world would have just, like, threw it in. Said, screw it. Like, I, I, I want to I wanna reset. I want to redo. I want to start next year, you know? And you did. And you fell short of where you wanted. But you got yourself, like, right there to that round of 12. And like you said, the, the way that things are going on the back half of the season, I don't know if anyone would have predicted that, right? Um, so that to me shows a lot of growth in a kid. Um, and that's like, those are the big moments for me. I mean, obviously you've got stuff um, trying to dig back. Like the Cornell match was super cool. Like that was a really cool thing where we bumped all the guys up. It actually worked. I think I, <laughs> As we were walking out, um, I was telling somebody, somebody traveled with us that wasn't, I think it was our associate AD. I think he was with us and um, he was just getting to learn wrestling. Like, you know, he's, cause he's from the East coast and I was like, Hey, I want to tell you something like what just happened, like in college wrestling guys don't bump up. Right. And then if they do bump up, like it doesn't work. And by that, I mean, like, usually you don't net gain what you're kind of hoping that you would because, like, moving up a weight class is, is hard. Like, you don't bump, you know, David up and he just automatically pins the guy I said before. You know, like, it's, <laughs> and I was like, we did it three times and it worked. I was like, that don't happen, man. <laughs> you know, like, you don't bump three guys up in, 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 in college wrestling, right? So, um, so yeah, that was a cool moment. Um Again, that was one of those moments too. I remember going back and being like, "Man, you know, we could look like idiots." This is right now, but in reality, you know, it, it could it could flip either way. So it's on those guys. Huge kudos to them. They stepped up. You know. So. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to sixty percent on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. 
Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. For sure, yeah, they made you guys look really smart. When I, when I saw that happening, <laughs> I was like, oh boy, we're going to... I think it was Joel Devine, Coleman at 97, and then Younger at heavyweight. And I was like, okay, let's see what happens here. And then... What it was divine at 84, right? Uh, yes, yep, yeah, him up, yep. And yep. that was literally talk about game time. We had brought it up because we knew Sam got hurt, um, the match before. And I think Dresser brought it up. He's like, Should we do this? And it's one of them deals, man. But then, like, you know, you bump younger up or you, you, somebody gets hurt. And then obviously, um, Coleman, that 97 partner, that kid's a stud, yeah, you know. So, you know, you're like, I don't know, is it, is it worth doing the ri- the risk reward? And I don't know what happened. You know, Dresser would be better because he he made the decision, right, to do it. Um, may, I'm, I'm guessing how this went was I think he maybe looked at Coleman and was like, you want to do this? And I think Coleman probably was like, yeah, yeah, let's do it. So the decision <laughs> was made, like, at 74, I'm pretty sure. Like, we had the guys ready. Like, this could happen. We got to see how the duel is going. Um and then, I'm pretty sure, like, halfway through the 74 match, I think, like, it went in motion. Like, it wasn't necessarily the plan all the time. <laughs> yeah, so those guys still had to weigh in. At, so, Coleman had still had to weigh in at 84, right? And then he yeah. had to bump up to 97. Yeah. Because Everyone, this wasn't your plan. He couldn't, like, eat the whole time and then be good to go <laughs> at 97. He had to still make weight at 84. Yeah, and then, because I, I'm pretty sure Penn State, we ended up just forfeiting heavyweight. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That it wasn't going to make sense the way that it played out. It wasn't going to make sense to try and do that again, you know? Um, so, so yeah. yeah. Nope. And then speaking of guys um, moving weights and all that sort of fun stuff, now that we're into the off season, when does all of those conversations start to happen? Like obviously David Carr was the big one last year going from 57 to 65. Is yeah. there anyone in this year that you've already identified as, all right, let's see what happens if you move up or down a weight to see if we can get something more out of you, something more out of this team. When do those conversations start happening? And has, have you identified anyone as a potential candidate? Um, those conversations happen. Basically you've got meetings when you meet with the guys and you kind of get feedback and you don't, you, you don't ask them like what's your weight, but if they want to go up a weight, <laughs> they usually bring it up. Um, I think there's some potential guys out there and some discussion about it. I, I don't know if I'm necessarily ready to commit and say this is going to happen. Um, but there's definitely some talk about a number of guys changing weights. Um, and you know, my kind of perspective on that is at least how I approach it again, this is just me is, you know, if, if, if a guy wants to go up, I say, all right, well, 
then if that's what you want to do, make the plan for this summer and we'll see where we're at in July and August, you know, cause I think a lot of guys, when you're cutting weight and stuff, um, you're miserable or whatever. Um, and then you get to July and you're like, well, shoot, I'm not quite as big as I thought I was, you know, like I thought I'd gain 20 pounds, <laughs> but then the opposite could happen, right? Like you could be dead, right. You know, maybe you set that plan in motion and you put 25 pounds on, I'm making numbers up right now. You put 25 pounds on and it's July and I'm looking at you and I'm like, well, yeah, you're right. You do look like you belong in that weight class. All right. And you're competing at that weight class and let's go. Right. So we've had both happen. I think we've had, uh, again, not saying this will happen, but I think Redding was an example where he was like, I got to go 41. This was a couple of years ago. <laughs> yep. We, again, we got down the line and it was like, you still think you're 40? He's like, no, I'm not a 41. You know, like, <laughs> right. Um, so yeah, there's, there's some talk about that. And, we, and that's kind of how I think that, that I operate and we operate. It's like, all right, well, let's go down that path and then we'll see where we're, where we're at. You know, um, if you put on the weight and you look good, you know, and by weight, I mean, good weight, you know, muscle weight, your body grows, then we can move forward with that. You know, um, as far as weights go, I mean, it's a touchy thing. You, uh, it, obviously as a coach, you have like, Oh, I want these guys in these weight classes. Um, but at the end of the day, like forcing a guy to go certain weights usually doesn't work. Right. So to think that we can control it to an extent, I mean, obviously there's conversations you have with guys like, Hey man, I think you're better off here. Um, but yeah, just tell a guy like, Hey, you got to go this weight, whether it's bumping up or bumping down, it's gotta be their idea. Um, and the same thing where if a guy thinks he doesn't belong in this weight class and wants to be this weight class, if you force him to go down, you're not getting the best guy you know, because he's still going through the whole season thinking he belongs in a different weight class. Right. So until they come to that conclusion themselves, um, generally it's going to work. It, it's going to work best if it's, if it's their idea, you know, and that's like most kids with most things, isn't it? So. <laughs> For sure. And then speaking while we're on the off season topic, um, the transfer portal is I think that's been around now for a while. Um, and I'm not asking you to comment about specific guys, but yeah. just what are your thoughts on the transfer portal? And how do you guys approach it? Because obviously you've gotten guys like Sam Schuyler, who's turned himself into, mm-hmm. you know, almost an all American round of 12 guy. You got yeah. Jason Kreiser who's turned himself into a quality um, wrestler as an NCAA championships, makes it, makes it to the round of 16. So you've pulled in some good transfers. What are your thoughts and what's your approach on how you guys ta- um, go about the transfer portal? Um, I mean, we go after them if that's what you want to know, <laughs> you know, if it makes sense, right. Yeah. If it makes sense, we go after them. Um, but again, that transfer portal is a whole, that's a, that's a whole nother podcast, you know, <laughs> uh, <laughs> that, and I decided I asked myself, do I say how I really feel or do I just talk and beat around the bush? But yeah, it's getting to be quite a competitive thing. It's getting to be, um, yeah, I guess that's what I'll say. It's getting to be quite competitive. Um, so yes, if, if, if we if, if a guy comes up and, and it's a need, we, we, we contact them, we see where they're at and, and we're working on, you know, on, on those guys, it's kind of a different wing of recruiting, if you want to call it. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's different. And then obviously with the landscape, 
some of the, the news coming down. I mean, every day it seems like whether it's a coaching change or whether you get one guy that goes and commits here, then that might cause another guy to, you know, it's, it's pretty chaotic to be honest. So you kind of got to like stay tuned and see what's going on. And if, uh, if something fits your needs, you go after it. But, but again, that landscape is very competitive. Yeah. Especially not, this time around. No. <laughs> so, oh yeah. It's funky. I don't know, but I don't, I don't see them changing any of the, the rules or things that are in place. So we're going to have to operate with what we've got. So we have to get to work too. So. Wow. And then um. I'll just, I'll roll into my, I think this is probably my last question. Um, <laughs> we'll find out when you're a competitor, you always have the mindset of, I need to get better. I need to get that one step more. And that's the sort of thing that drives you Yeah. as a coach. How do you approach that R- right now? Okay. So you're in your six year assistant role. What's what drives you to team success, I'm sure, but what drives you to keep wanting to get better in that next step? And how do you determine what that next step is for you as a coach, whether it be assistant coach, I think you started off as a volunteer assistant. How do you approach coaching, I guess, in terms of how you approach being an athlete? Um, I'm not quite sure where we're going with that one. I guess my first (laughs) on your question would be um, from a, a coaching perspective, how do I continue to, to, uh, grow and serve this team better? Um, I focus on the athletes. I focus on our guys and I think, okay, how can I better serve this guy, this guy, this guy, and this guy, right? Like what, you know, what, what I reflect, what have we done? You know, what, what things have I tried to do to get them where I think that they should go or they can get to, um, how can we tweak that? Do we not need to tweak it? Do we just need to stay, you know, nose to the grindstone? Um, and a lot of their feedback is good too. Right. Um, so that is kind of how I, as far as like day to day, I think you're asking like, what keeps you driven? What, like, how do you keep saying, all right, we got to get better, get better. Um, is how can I better serve those athletes? Right. Mm. What did I, you know, not that I'm saying I messed up, but what, what, what did I, if I reflected like, Hey, you know, like maybe that wasn't the right approach with this guy or heck it could be technically I could say, Hey, maybe we're spending all this time in this area and maybe we need some, spend some time over in this area instead, you know? So that is kind of my day-to-day drive, um, as like getting better. I guess it's not necessarily like, Hey, I need to, I guess it is. I need to be better, but I focus more on the athletes. And that's what I think about every day are the, the guys in my head. And I work with most and any other guys that I, that I can think I can help. Um, like, all right, what, what can I do? Like what, what more can you tweak without trying to overthink it? Obviously. Um, you know, and then as a team, where can we work? You know, and that's something as a staff, as we come together, it's like, all right, now as a team, where do we need to go? Where do we need to grow? All right. So I don't know if that's exactly what you're asking, but that's, that's. (laughs) Um, Something I did want to bring up when we touched on the freestyle, you know, Sam and Marcus have now graduated. You know, Marcus has been very vocal about wanting to continue to compete. I'm not a hundred percent sure what Sam's plans were, you know, what is their dynamic? Are they still going to be, you know, and are they going to be in the CRTC? Like, do you guys know yet? 
Uh, yeah, as of right now, again, things sometimes change. I think it changed with Parker last year. <laughs> he was going to stay, and then he got a job offer, which was good. Yeah. Um, but as of right now, yep, uh, Coleman and Sam are, are both planning to stay here and continue to train um, to pursue pursue their world and Olympic dreams. So, and to continue to be around the program, and help out too. So, that's yeah. awesome. It's- Especially yeah. with Coleman, who was very vocal about wanting to coach. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, like I said, that's today, but we get a call tomorrow. <laughs> he's he's a wonderful kid. So, um, and then looking at you know things, especially those guys that you mentioned that we don't necessarily get to see consistently, especially those younger guys who only have so many times that they can uh, be in the lineup. But, you know, what were some of those things that we really weren't seeing, you know, from those younger guys and in what ways were they stepping up in the room for the team? And really, when you took them on the road, I know some of them were at Big 12s as training partners. Um, What were some of those things we weren't seeing? Um, We we talked about this quite a bit, I I think, throughout the season. But just the the biggest thing a lot of those young guys did was just come in with an attitude um, of – that they, they could be the guy now. Right. Um, and when you operate that way, you're going to get the most out of yourself and then your teammates are going to get, get the most out of, out of, let's say their practice as well too, out of their growth. Let's call it that. Right. Um, so that's the biggest thing I think that they brought to the table was that like, it was just a great group of guys that just, they didn't want every single one of them. It felt like did not want to be a guy sitting on the bench. Like I want to be the guy now. Even if we knew you weren't going to be the guy, if you operate that way, you're going to get the most out of out of the situation, right? Um, so that's something I, that we have, I think, in, in the past already given them a lot of kudos on. Um, and then also, you, you mentioned them going to the Big 12s. A lot of that's just part of the process, too, with those guys is like, all right, um, see it, right? Put yourself there. You know, sit in the stands, watch and imagine, you know, I'm there next year, you know, you should be having those thoughts in your head. Like, Hey, like I could see myself there. I could see myself beating that guy. That's the guy I got to beat. Got to beat that guy to win the big 12s. I could do that. Right. Feel the environment. Right. Um, I think that those are really big things. Um, and I mean, going to the big 12s is optional, but a lot of times we tell them like, Hey, you're coming. Right. But, um, maybe <laughs> yep. not, maybe that's what you're referring to is, but we did have about 20 guys in the stands. So that's a big deal. Right. And that's not definitely, so I'm talking outside of our travel group, you had 20 guys that came to watch. So that the, the, you got two things there, right? You've got guys, same thing that want to aspire to be there. And even if they're not on the travel group, they want to put themselves in that situation. They want to see it. And then you've also, you know what, it's, it's a really it's fun. It's exciting. It's exciting to go in every single day because it's a really good group of guys and they really enjoy being around each other. Um, you could tell that they're all buddies and that's what a lot of that was too, was like, Hey, I'm not the guy, but I'm going to go and, 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 and cheer my team on. Right. And I think you saw a couple of times at the big 12s in particular, um, I'm trying to think of, maybe it was David's match just because like, it seemed like the place was empty Right. But you had like our whole, like half of our team sitting there, like ready to celebrate. Or maybe it was Panero, right? Like half the team's there ready to celebrate with them. Right. And, and you could tell they were there for, for Panero. Right. We're there to root you on. Right. Because we're in the, in the room every day, grinding, working together. And I want to be a part of, of your success in that way. Right. And I want to root you on. So that, 
that I think is really cool. And that talks more just about the culture of the program um, and kind of where we're at when, which, which I think is good. I think it's Cam Robinson, who is my favorite guy in the stand. He is just constantly losing his mind, um, which is very entertaining, but you're right there. You're, support section of the student athletes was very impressive compared to definitely other programs and just how loud they were. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, you know, it's funny you say that because Julian Broderson, I had a conversation with him in Tulsa and he said that sitting in the stands during all those matches were very frustrating, but he knew he needed to sit and watch like, who could I have been beating? How could I have competed in that match versus the guy who lost? So it mm-hmm. is, if it's anything you're seeing it outside of just probably in the room, but there, I definitely can see the change. And I mean, Ben and I've talked a lot about it, the way these guys have, you can just tell they're, I don't know. I don't know if committed to the word, but you can just see that they're a lot more in it than maybe we've seen in the past, I guess, from a, as a whole, as a, like a whole collective. So. Yeah. Yep. That's what you want. That's part of the steps. Right. So. So to, you know, round it all out, you know, thinking to things outside of just who won, what, who lost, what, what are some, you know, takeaways or even just some stories, you know, fun moments that you look back on over the season and just stick out to you? Um, well, you already hit me with that question, but I'll try to come up with some more. No, think of something that's not action focused. Think of something that's not on the mat. Oh man, not on the mat. Um, all right, I'll come up with one only because it occurred to me today. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I I saw this right there. Can you see it? Yes, you're you're bomb the squad bomb champ. squad champion. Of course you are. <laughs> but but <clears throat> the story was when I walked into my office today. I got this messed up. I just glanced up at that. And it recurred to me uh, what the guys arranged this year was a, uh, I'm going to call it wrong, but I'm going to call it like a prom. Okay. <laughs> they okay. arranged a prom. Yep. Where um, all of our guys had a, a, a dance, essentially. Where they got <laughs> and, and they all got dressed up um, and they had a, essentially a dance, you know, where they had some food, they had some dinner. And then they got to hang out and dance. And during that prom, uh, they they stopped it and they they presented some awards and they were all kind of goofy awards, you know. I can't remember what some of the other ones were, but just kind of silly ones just for fun, like best dressed or whatever, right? So at that prom is when I won my ultimate bomb squad champ award. But <laughs> as far as something outside of the room, um, something that was that was different or maybe the fans probably don't have any idea that goes on and again to talk about the sort of culture that this team is um i thought it was the silliest idea in the whole world but you know after it went down i was like you know what? that was really cool that was really awesome that these guys just took a saturday and like hey let's all get together let's get all dressed up let's grab dates or our girlfriends or whatever and get all fancy and uh and go throw on a a little party where we have some food and we hang out and we dance. And so, Oh yeah, there's my event for you. <laughs> there you go. Where, where was that... this held? This was held at, um, what the heck is it called? Uh, sweet Caroline. 
Oh, they yeah. They have yeah. Oh. the side, the, you know, their secular, whatever, is entertainment yep. space. Yeah, we held it right in there. Um, so it was a perfect space just for the team, right? Like, we didn't need a big banquet area. Um, it was a perfect- <laughs> and then afterward, they moved the tables out. They got some dancing going. And so, oh, yeah. Because I was wondering when I walked in, I'm like, man, are we going to do that again this year or not? We'll see. I don't know. <laughs> and that was like fully driven by them. Yeah, it wasn't my idea. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Was, I think David was part of it. I think there's like four guys maybe that were all, you know, put put the idea together. And we said, all right, you know, we'll do what we can to help you, you know, obviously pay for it and get it. I, I can't even remember what we were allowed to pay for. I think it was entertainment. So I think we're good. But, so, but yeah. And for those that don't know, what is Bomb Squad? Bomb Squad is a mix between soccer and dodgeball. Mm-hmm. And the short answer is, is you, you stand around in a circle looking at each other and you, um, we use a soccer ball, we throw it up and you have to juggle it. You know, so you have seen soccer people juggle ball. Um, it has to be juggled by three separate people. There's three people have to hit it. Once it's touched by three people, then it becomes dodgeball. So then you grab the ball and yeah, you throw the ball and you try to get somebody out. We it's developed into such craziness. Like over the years, it started with like very simple rules, and now it's like very high tech. If you were to step in, it would take <laughs> probably because there's all sorts of different rules. Like it can double hit people. So like if it hits me and you, like you should get two lives. So like once you get hit twice, you're out. But like if it hits me and you, we both lose our life. We've got some stuff where like, if I catch it, I can rethrow. So I can, you know, like if you throw it to me, I catch the ball and then I hit you with it. You're out. Cause I took your life when I caught it and I hit you. Right. So it's gotten very in depth, but it's funny, <laughs> super competitive. And we haven't had that, any injuries from it. So again, I, I, I like playing games and loosen up before practice, but I also like they guys used to play that. Uh, what the heck is it called? Basically the, we get three steps and you throw a ball or whatever, ultimate kind of like ultimate frisbee. Oh, or football. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. There's a couple of different ways you call that. And I hated it because it was like, when I played it, I felt like I was on the brink of breaking my knees every time. Cause guys are trying to tackle <laughs> you and it's like overly physical. Right. And so I remember coming in they loved that game. I'm like, guys, I really don't want to play this game. Like I don't want you guys playing it. Cause we're going to have freak injuries come up and stuff that, not good. So this is kind of taken on. It feels like since we've been here, um, of kind of what guys do before practice and safe. So we're good. That's the important part. <laughs> Does dresser ever play? No, we can't get him in there, man. <laughs> Nate, to get Nate in there too. Like Nate, come on, man. So they're too cool for school, I guess. Mm. But you can get St. John in there every now and then. Derek will step in. He can play. He can play. What's unique about it? I don't know why we're talking about bomb squad, but we will. <laughs> What's unique about it is I, I call it like survivor Island. Okay. Because at any given time, and the thing is we're getting, our guys get pretty good at kicking the soccer. Ball, right. <laughs> at any given time, like if, if you want to get me out, like the whole group, like there's 15 people there, like you guys can get me out easy. Right. Just decide we're getting him out. So survivor Island, because you kind of got to make friends with people during mm. the game. You know, <laughs> I, do a favor, but like the minute if I take a ball and I throw it at you, like we're not friends anymore, 
right? So then you got to pick and choose like, all right, who am I going to throw the ball at? Like if I throw it, like if you throw it at Julian Broderson, like you're dead. <laughs> he used to be a pitcher and he's very casual, but like if you throw it at him, he gets pissed and then he, he kills you. Right. <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's, it's a fun, uh, like a mind game too, where you're kind of manipulating friendships and stuff like that. So, <laughs> I mean, in a way it's only helping them as athletes. If you really think about it, <laughs> yeah. see some of these guys juggle the ball. Like I'm like, dude, that's definitely helping your quick twitch. So, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, coach, thank you so much for joining us. Ben, do you have any last minute questions? No, I'm good. <laughs> Metcalf, do you have any last minute thoughts? No, I don't. What kind of dog you got there? What's that little thing that we're petting? Golden doodle. A golden doodle. So that's a big one, right? Yeah, he's a big He's a mini golden pup. doodle, but he's a very large mini golden doodle. Okay. And my mom's okay. got a <laughs> I couldn't tell if that was a big one or a little one. So Yeah, he's my big. Yeah, he's a big mini, but he's a mini technically. <laughs> my the big ones, two of them in our yard, and every time I walk by, they got a fence, the you know, electric fence. Yeah. Those are running at you, and you swear to God, they're, they're going to take me out, but then they yep. stop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he greets people aggressively, that's for sure. He runs right at them, jumps on them, all the fun stuff. So, I mean, he's a good dog, but, yeah, he will greet you very enthusiastically. I'll say that. That's good. He's okay. frequently on the podcast. Yes. <laughs> he's a big baby. That's okay. We love him. <laughs> well, um, is thank you guys for all the support. Appreciate it. Um, I mean, obviously part of it's what your job, but I know it's your passion too. Right. Um, and even doing something like the podcast and all this stuff um, has been really big. And you talk about the growth of our program and the growth of our fans and the growth of our ticket sales. Um, that a lot of that has to do with wrestling, but a lot of it has to do with you guys too right? Because you're taking the time and the energy to cover us and to get stories out there. Um, I think of some of the stuff that you guys have both done where you're giving features and just getting to know the guys and stuff like that goes a long ways as far as just building the empire, let's call it right. Like building the fan base and they need that information. So that's, that's you guys. And thank you for that. So. No, I appreciate it. Thank you for the access. Well, it's mostly you. Jackie now. So yeah, Jackie's the star here. I know. I was telling Ben, I was like, you left and I had to start asking questions. And now it's to the point where I get shit if I don't ask questions. No, that's all right. I try my best. <laughs> well, I mean, we couldn't do it without you guys giving us access. So we appreciate you coming on and I'm sure people will love to hear from you. Um, so yeah, as always, thank you. Yeah, you bet. You guys have a good weekend. Okay. Happy Easter. <laughs> Happy too, Easter. Coach. Thank you. Yeah. See ya.